started. Maybe that'll get things stirred up a little bit. Um, something I hope everyone here could agree with, uh, and that is to say this. We all need to have regular, powerful, moving experiences with God. We desperately need spiritual life. We need to read. <laughs> we need the breath of God. We need communion with the Almighty. And I want to say something I think is just fair. I think all of us would agree with this. Um, if the Spirit is not moving, it could be because we're not kneeling. Okay? And I just think that's important. Prayer and the ministry and communion with God and the work of God and the movement of God comes back to are we in constant communion fellowship with God? Now, the reason I go here is because we're in a series on spiritual giftings and um, there was a mistake the Corinthians made, and we read about it in the Bible. They started focusing on the gift and not the giver. They started focusing on the things they could have and, opposed, uh, and use and might even bring honor to them as opposed to God gifting us to bring honor to Him and point to Jesus. So we've gone through quite a few gifts that we've been going alphabetically, and I'm going to disrupt that a little bit this morning because I have, I have three gifts I want to talk about this morning, three gifts given by the Holy Spirit of God that are gifts that focus upon other people. And I just tied these three together. They're almost alphabetical. There might be one slide in there before. But I want to talk about um, helps um, or sometimes called service, the gift of help service and the gift of hospitality. And then I want to talk about the gift of mercy. And I think I've tied these three together because I just feel like they display actions and activities toward other people. And they're vital to the life and health of our church. So it, it might seem like a, um, it, it might not seem to you the right jumping point, but it's where I'm jumping from anyway. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And I, I, it's just kind of, this, this, I guess this could be our jumping point from any, we've been going through this series for a little bit. I, I could probably talk on any given week on spiritual gifts, and I could probably come back to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, I don't know if you know Ephesians 2. You ought to love Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 is so relevant, so uh, insightful, and it just helps us see something that is so essential to our understanding of the Christian life, and is that I was dead, and now I'm alive. And that's the premise of Ephesians 2 and spiritual gifts, the spiritual giftings, giftings given to us by God. It's like I was dead and I had none. And now I'm alive and I have at least one. And I may have many, but I am alive to the kingdom of God and serving God. And so I was dead, dead, spiritually dead, and now I'm alive. It's like there's something going on. And so I, I don't know where you're at in that. I don't know if you're dead. And if you're dead, welcome. We want to see you... Raised to life today, okay? If you're not a Christian and you're here, it's like, man, that is our goal every single Sunday is to raise the dead, to watch Jesus raise the dead. So it could be that if you're here and you're checking out Christianity, this could be the day you're like going, oh, I didn't know about that distinction. I, I kind of felt pretty alive. But the Bible says you're dead in a certain way. You're alive in a certain way, and that certain way would be physically but maybe you didn't know that you were dead spiritually. Maybe you're like, when I'm religious, I'm interested in faith issues but the Bible says you're dead until something happens and you become alive. And that would be conversion or being born a second time, not just the first time physically, second time spiritually. Okay, so 
now we're going to then see the transition or the, um, the movement from dead to life to spiritual life, meaning bearing fruit for the glory of God. And God works in you and fruit comes out of you. So as you pursue the life-giving Holy Spirit, you produce God-glorifying kingdom advancing fruits. So I'm going to read Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, and hopefully you'll see how this process happens. You were dead. He's talking to Christians. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. It's like most people say, I... I, I didn't know I was doing that. I didn't know I was there, and I surely didn't know I was following the course of the, this world, following the prince of the power of there. That's Satan. Most people say, I, I don't. Even, it, like, you might be here today, and you might not be a Christian. You go, I, whoa, I'm not, I'm not into that. But the Bible says, yes, you are. You might not realize it, but the Bible's trying to help you understand why you need to be converted. And the Bible's also wanting Christians to understand what we came from. We need to have a clear picture of where God has brought us from death to life, following the course of this world. That's what we naturally did, and we easily gravitate back towards that if we're not careful. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived, we all did, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. It's very natural to do that. My natural desire wants to be satisfied, and that's my flesh, my desires, my five senses, carrying out the desires of the body, like my body lives to satisfy itself, and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath. It's like something happened back in the Garden of Eden where I was no longer um, in the blessing of relationship with God and the fall of mankind, which means everyone is uh, born with a sinful nature, and therefore we're on the wrong side of things and a wrong relationship with God, and we need to be converted, and, and we need to be delivered or redeemed or saved or whatever word you want to use to describe it. And that's when God says, that's what you were. You were by nature children of wrath, like came out of the, came out of the belly that way, like the rest of mankind, but God... But God, being rich in mercy, because that's who he is. That's what he does. Because of the great love which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. But God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up for, with him, seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus and the coming ages he might show you the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's what he's doing right now. He's, he's, he's showing us the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness. Like he has so much to offer us and so much he wants to teach us and show us and he wants us to partner with him. Can you believe that? For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So we're talking about gifts. We're talking about spiritual gifts. But the first gift you got was the grace to save you through faith. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. There's no bragging. There's no bragging. No boasting about, look what I did to get myself saved. Look how nice I dressed myself up to come to church. Look how good I look now that I'm, I've got religion. There's no boasting. We are his workmanship, period, created in Christ Jesus. Praise God for what? For good works, fruit bearing, 
This is our whole series. This is what our whole series is about. For good works. We were saved by God, by grace, to go bear fruit. His workmanship created, crafted by God, designed by God to carry out His work, His will, to promote His kingdom. This is amazing. For good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And it's like God already has assignments for you. He's already prepared assignments for you. And today I want to talk about three kinds of assignments and three fruits. And so in one hand, you're going to say every Christian ought to have all three of these. Every Christian should be willing to help and serve. Every Christian should be interested in hospitality. And every Christian should know something about receiving mercy and therefore extending mercy. It's not a real complicated sermon And so I want to say in these three areas, I think it's possible to say if you have none of this, if there's no fruit, then perhaps there's no root. If there's no fruit coming out, then you might not be rooted in Christ. These are pretty simple. Some people have larger measures, larger deposits. Praise God. And if there's no heat, then there's probably no fire. There's no heat inside of you this morning, then there's no fire. So I'm so glad you're here. If you're like going, there's no heat in me towards God. I'm just existing. I'm hoping to find something. I'm here because I don't feel what other people feel. Some people praise. They raise their hands and they're worshiping God. And, and um, not to say that everyone who loves God deeply is going to raise their hands. But a lot, a lot of them do. A lot of them do. It's just like, I have to praise God. I have to praise God. And so if there's some people and you just around them, it just seems like there's a fire. There's something inside of them. And you're just like, well, man, there's a fire in there. But for those people who are cold, and it's like, well, if there's no heat coming out. There might not be a fire. And that's what we want as a church. We want to see the fire of God. And Jesus even described the coming of the Holy Spirit and the baptism, Jesus would baptize people. And he said, well, John will baptize you with water, but the Holy Spirit will baptize you with fire. How about that? Does that sound exciting? No, away with cold Christianity. That's what he's saying. Away with this cold Christianity. Bring the fire, God. Bring the fire. You, pray, you want some fire? I want some fire. I know it's summertime. We can turn the AC up so we can have the fire. Okay, you ever done that when you're on vacation somewhere? It's like, oh, we're in a mountain cabin. Let's turn the AC on because I want a fire. You turn the AC on so you can put fire in the fireplace. You know, you ever done that? People do that. I don't know what it'll take to make us want fire, but we need to want fire. A mighty move with conversions and change and radical. People would say they're radical, they're crazy, supernatural. Something's going on with so-and-so, a person, or something's going on at that church. Oh, don't we want that kind of, isn't that what we want? We want people to go, oh, what a nice church that is. I just love their outside. You come around that corner, it's just the prettiest little white church by the river. We should go there because it's the prettiest little white church. You know, devils live in some pretty places. And some pretty little churches our Ichabod, the glory of God is gone. I don't want to be a pretty little church. I like pretty. I'm not against pretty. I love our pretty little church. But I don't want to be part of just a pretty little church. I want to, I want to be part of a, a work of God. And I need you to do that. And you need me to do that. And we need each other. And we ask God to stir the fire. Stoke the fire, Lord. That's what we're praying for. Okay, so we need the power of God. And therefore, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, we need the Holy Spirit who comes. We need His presence 
P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. And we need his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. We need his presence, his dwelling, and we need his presence, his gifts. We need his gifts. And with his gifts comes a lot. Some of the, with his gifts, going to come some helping and serving and some hospitality and some mercy. And so, um, alphabetically, it goes helps, hospitality, mercy. But sermonically, today, it's going to go mercy, helps, hospitality. Okay, we're going to start with mercy because that's where it all starts, doesn't it? It all starts with mercy. You can't show mercy until you know mercy. Okay? You can't show mercy till you receive mercy. You can be religious, but until you see yourself as a forgiven sinner, lost with no hope apart from the grace of God, then you're just religious. And everything we are begins with the mercy of God, but God, but God in His mercy. What ties these three topics together, and that is Jesus Christ comes into your life to radically reform the way you view and how you treat other people. So these three, these three spiritual gifts are about how you treat other people. And that's why I tie them together. I go, oh, Lord, this is so good. This is so good, so helpful. Tie these three things together. How do I treat people? Do I show mercy? Am I hospitable? Am I ready to come along and aid other people. And some people are extraordinarily good at it. Some of us are okay. Some of us are okay. We have to be reminded like, oh, you're being selfish again. Oh, oh yeah. But some people are just like so geared that way. And I'm just going to say, I want to thank God for some of you in this room who are just geared. You are geared toward hospitality and you make people feel welcomed and loved. Can I say Norman? And y'all just, everyone that knows Norman knows it was a fit. Norman went to be with Jesus. And they did a hospitality thing together. Norman was greeted by Jesus and he was thinking, hey, thank you, Jesus. That's what I used to do at Webster. (laughs) And it was like so great for him. Okay, I want to thank God for some of you who stand out there and make people feel welcome. And I want to thank God for some of you who want to serve. Like when this service is over, well, the 11, please don't do it at 9. But some people will gather the chairs and move them in. That would be, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but we need them out for 11. Some people, when they see something, they just sign up and they want to participate. And they're just like, I want to help. I don't need notoriety. Just want to help make sure this gets done, and they head back to the kitchen to help, or they start clearing tables. And some of you are so hospital, and you give up your seat, and you give up your little cozy spot on Wednesday nights to go sit with someone who's by themselves. It's like, yeah, of course I want to go hang with my gang. But I see three people over there, or a person that I've seen them three Wednesday nights in a row, they're sitting by themselves, and I'm getting out of myself and into them. Praise God for some of you. You just think that way. Praise God. What a blessing. And then some of you um, are very merciful. And you're so merciful, it's, it's, it's like a heavy weight you bear. Some people have mercy. Well, if you have the gift of mercy, then I, if you really have the gift of mercy, then may I suggest you probably don't like it. Because it's heavy. It's a heavy burden to care for people. It's a heavy. People say, I want the gift of mercy and compassion. Are you sure? Are you sure? 
You want some you want to feel someone else's wake? You want to feel you want to weep with those who weep? You really want you think you want it because you want people to think you're a compassionate person, but if you want to be a compassionate person, you better get ready to be broken. You will go down into people's sorrows with them, and it's not fun. The gift of mercy, please don't think that's a fun gift. It's like, Lord, give me mercy. I do want mercy because it reminds me of my Savior, but I also know it comes with a high, a high price tag. If you're that kind of person, when you see someone grieving, you just enter into it with them, and you're just like, oh, God. You know, I hate to say it, but probably 85% of us don't even see anyone else's problems. We just trucking on along. It's like, no, my life's good. Hey, how you doing, brother? Good. Whether it's the right answer or not, we say, oh, good. It's a good answer because I didn't want you to say anything other than because I, I, I got to, uh, going over here, I, I'm, on my, I'm on my schedule and I'm on track. Hey, you want to come serve me on my mission? So I just see these three things tied together and where do I see it? Okay, I see the love of God coming into me and saving me and then working out of me. First commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as I do that, it comes out to love my neighbor. And if you're not very good at loving your neighbor, then may I suggest you're not very good at loving God. You haven't drank very deep from his well. And maybe that's what you need most. If you're selfish like most of us. But here's the really bad thing. It's okay to be selfish and know it. It's really bothersome to be selfish and not know it. Where your world revolves around you and everybody else knows it because you're not very fun to be with. And some people wonder why I don't have any friends. I'll promise you what, be a friend and you'll have a friend. Some people wonder why would nobody speak, why would nobody like me? Uh, you ever thought that you're not very likable? Have you ever noticed that 98% of your conversation is about you? And I don't know how, I know you think you're the cat's meow, as they say, but there's a lot of people don't like cats. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Okay. So here's what I want to say. I want to tie these strings together, and I want to show you what it is in Jesus. Okay. Mercy. As spiritual gifts, it says, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There's a parable in Matthew 18 about a wicked servant who didn't understand mercy because he was shown extraordinary mercy. In Matthew 18, we have that. um, Many people know Matthew 18 because that's when someone sins against you. Go tell your brother and and hopefully win them, if not bring to, if not take it to the church. So we know that there's that church um, discipline or church dealing with sins between brethren. And Jesus follows up and, you know, um, the time when the disciples were like going, man, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? I'm just really tired of forgiving Joey. <laughs> Three times, you're out, buddy. Do me once, wrong once, once, twice, three, you're out. Um, and Jesus, Peter thought he was being like pretty, I'll go for seven. Lord, do I have to forgive up to seven times? Because you don't know my friends. Seven would be extraordinary. Lord, how many should I forgive my brother? My brother. 
I forgive him. Many as seven times, like he's a real jerk sometimes. And Jesus said, no, not seven. How about 77? Well, 77 wasn't enough. We know 77 wasn't enough. But it's like seven. He gave a much bigger number. How about 77? Well, even that alteration. Wouldn't you like to be forgiven 77 times for what you've done? How about seven? Someone says, all right, you got seven shots. So this marriage is over. It lasts about a week. Most people have a really good fight on their honeymoon. They really do. A lot of people go, yeah, we had a really big fight on the honeymoon. That's not uncommon if you're newlywed or about to get married. Can I just warn you, be ready for it? And you're going to go, what have I done? And you're going to, I'm going to say, you got married and you moved in with another sinner. Okay? And, and Jesus tells us about um, 77 times and then he gave a parable which made it way, way, way more than 77 times. So is this this, this guy that sinned or um, he stole or owed someone 10,000 talents, which was a huge amount of money. And he begged and he pleaded and he's like, please have mercy on me, please. Like the man who needed forgiveness said, please have mercy, have mercy on me, God, God, or my, to his boss or the person he owed a great debt, they owed a great debt. So please have mercy on him. And the guy had mercy on him. A huge debt, like millions in our modern day. And someone else came and owed him $2. And he said, you miserable thief, you stole $2 from me. You, I'm going to throw you in prison. You sorry dog, you. And he throws the guy in prison. He had been shown forgiven millions. And he's irate over a guy who owes him two bucks. And that's the way some Christians are. Or that's the way some people are. I will say, I'm not sure that's a Christian. I, I don't know how a Christian could be. I think that's a pretender. But the whole point is, I want you to think about what Jesus has forgiven you. Do you really understand the mercy of God and the mercy of Jesus, what you've been forgiven? It, it makes you less selfish. And it's like going, oh man, I am so mad at that person for what they did to me. That is true. You have to be honest with Jesus and say, Jesus, I am so mad at that person. And then you say, I, I know Jesus, I know I know, you don't have to remind me. I remember what I did and how I offended you. And I know my offense is far greater than what I feel offended. Your, my offense to you is so much infinitely greater. I know. I'm sorry, Lord. I just, all about my own rights. And you lay that down. And then your heart begins to care for someone. And you go, Lord, forgive me the little inconvenience this person has done against me because you've forgiven me an eternal debt that I could never repay. And so mercy starts coming out. And I'm just going to say um, in Galatians chapter 6, there's a pa passage that talks about showing mercy. It says um, showing the love of Christ to someone else who needs forgiveness and extending that grace to them. Okay, let me talk for just a minute about um, helps. Okay, and there's a passage in Mark chapter 10, 45, and it says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. That's helps. Jesus. Uh, you know who he is? Jesus came 
not to be served. Can you think of anyone that is more worthy of being served than Jesus? Can you think of anyone that deserves to be served? Do you, can, do you know anyone else that it would be sinful not to serve them? Jesus is more servable and more worthy to be praised and more deserving to be to bow down before him. And Jesus, worthy to be bowed down before, rose on a cross to be crucified in service to us. The one that we should be bowing to before we recognize how worthy he is. He laid down his life for us. And therefore, we can serve. We should be thinking of ways to serve others. Okay, and then lastly, I want to think about hospitality and how it's really interesting. It's really interesting. My wife this morning, she... she knew what I was preaching on. And she said, did you, do you know that there's people in the Bible that as soon as they became Christians, they were showing hospitality? I said, yeah, that's in my sermon. You've been messing with my notes. And she said, no, is that really in your stuff? And so I said, well, she said, well, did you know that Lydia, when she became a Christian, immediately invited people into her home? Did you know that the Philippian jailer as soon as he was converted, he asked people, he started, he started loving and caring for other people. And do you know that in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, that very well-known passage when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And not only did he say, he didn't say, just come to me now, I want to serve you. He also said, and I have a place prepared for you. I want you to come to my house. And do you know that the Bible ends with this beautiful description and the last book of the Bible is about Jesus preparing for a wedding and he's inviting you and you're his bride and he's so hospitable and that's what he wants for you. And so I just want to say that can we not think this way? Can we not think about how out of God's love for us we can give to others hospitality, mercy, Helping. You know what that's going to cause? It's going to have to cause a transformation in your soul where you see other people. You actually begin to see people. You see their need. You see their hurt. You see where you could come alongside to help them. It means you put yourself on the shelf and you're not trying to be prominent. You're not trying to promote yourself. That's the danger of gifts is some people use them to self-promote. So this morning... As I close, I just want you to think about this. Lord, if I pursue you in your presence, will you change me in the way I see other people and what I'm willing to do? Will you help me to think about other people's future, other people's needs? Will you help me to see people that are hurting and forgive me? that I so easily just dismiss that and you begin to ask God to do a work in you. And so as we close this morning, I want to ask you to open your heart this morning and ask God to show you pockets of selfishness and to begin to change you out of his love, out of the ocean of his mercy, hospitality, and help that he would change you. And you would begin to say, Lord, what can I do in my life 
to show mercy to other people? How can I make people feel loved and welcomed? What can I do instead of always wanting to be the person getting the attention? I just want to help someone else's team succeed. I just want to help someone else succeed. I want to see the team succeed. I don't have to be the point guard. I don't have to be QB. I'll be, I'll be on the um, scrimmage team. Glad to be. Lord, scrim- your scrimmage team, awesome. And that's where we, the church begins working together and showing love. Do you know there's people out there that question what we say we believe because we don't do some of these things for each other? They're questioning the legitimacy of our faith in God because we are still way too self-absorbed. And it's like, oh God, make our evangelism grow out of the love that we're learning to show each other. It's just, it's just his way, okay? Would you guys be down for that? All right, well, let's stand and let's pray. And then while you're praying, I just want you, just want you to think about, well, maybe I, need, maybe I need this work of God in my heart and maybe it could begin to empower the love of God to come into us and through us and can even motor our evangelism where people begin to say, you know what, you go there and there's people that are going to begin to love on you like they did me. And like God did for me. Father, we thank you for this day. And I pray right now, God, if there's someone here that has never really understood the mercy of God and you're ready, Lord, we are always ready to extend mercy. So if you're here this morning and you really do want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I just want to invite you right now. Open your heart right where you are. Just say, Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. And I want you to begin to teach me these kinds of things. I confess that I'm very selfish And I want you to teach me to be like Jesus. And if you're a Christian and you just need this reminder today, then I want you to pray and say, Lord God, I've I've turned back to focusing on myself a lot. I just want to know how you want me to serve you. And we just pray, God, that in the life and the ministry of our church, that we would see the Holy Spirit equipping, filling us, sending us, helping us to find places of ministry and all these different opportunities. We ask this in the dear name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.